This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the new Old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush, and we're determined to get our Old Norwich back. Coming up, a club in crisis, fans revolting, and episode 18, our decision on the best shot stoppers in Norwich City history, and taking centre stage, our defensive duty starts as well. Now, Dad, we started this podcast determined to look back at the good old days of Norwich, and they seem a long, long way ago. Um, or a long, long time ago, um, having looked at what happened, frankly, on the pitch at Carrow Road against West Ham and then the protests that followed it and, and, and the subsequent abuse of Brandon Williams as well. I mean, what can you say about what is going on? I, I suppose, first of all, in, in reply to um, what you're saying about looking back, it's making those older days look even brighter, actually, isn't yes. it? What's going on at the moment? Because there's, it's just going from bad to worse. I mean, Dean Smith keeps talking about the players showing pride and there's £2 million at stake for not finishing bottom. <laughs> but we're still not getting anything from them at all, are we? Well, we've we've had four straight defeats since we drew with Brighton and beat Burnley. Four straight defeats, 12 goals conceded, and we've scored twice. So we're on average, we're losing 3-0 a game. That's... Yeah, I know. And, and, and the other thing is, John, the, 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 the sad thing about it is... Other teams don't even need to be at their best. They they, they, they just come and they walk straight through us. I think um, the, the sort of feeling at the end of the by David Moyes was, well, we didn't play very well. <laughs> they don't need to. And they win 4-0 on our turf. And it could have been a lot more from the chances yeah. that I, I saw as well. And yes, there were mistakes again. Uh, Tim Krull was probably culpable for the first two goals. And when you're 2-0 down... It's all over. Uh, all yeah. the all the goals came down the left hand side from West Ham. Um, yeah. They were mainly crosses into the box that then got knocked back into the or, or whatever. And at what Max Aaron's is doing at right back, I've absolutely um, no idea at the moment. I'm not sure he does. I'm not sure the club knows what it's doing with Max Aaron's either. Um, he's not going to. No one's going to buy him 
uh, the way he's played, certainly this this season in particular. I think he, he would have gone uh, previously. And, and, they're, and they're the big question marks when you run a club, aren't you? They are. When, yeah. when, you, when you have offers for players, you have to... Sometimes the player has to leap at it because you might not get another chance. Sometimes the club has to leap at it because he's never going to be as good as he was at that moment. And I think we are finding there are some certain players, and we talked about it in the last couple of episodes, about who's going to be here next season. Well, we all think that we should be selling Max Ahrens, and I think he will be here this season, but I'm not sure you particularly want him right back at the moment. Now, that's just one player that we're singling out. I mentioned Tim Krull. There are, there are so many other players that you could... There are. I mean, that, that, we had that same problem again with Billy Gilmore playing at the the, the back of the midfield with, with Sorensen. And, I mean, Declan Rice just brushed him off the ball. What? I, mean, it's... I, I saw on a social media someone questioning, why are we playing lone players? I mean, that is, uh, there's no excuse for abusing Brandon Williams. There's no excuse for following him down the street, which is obviously what's happened after the game. Um, he says, you know, I've come here, I've tried my best, um, and I will continue to do so, and, and good on him for coming out and saying that. So there's no excuse for it. But, no. But, but there is a huge question mark about if we are looking for next season, why are we playing Billy Gilmore and Brandon Williams? Unless we've told Manchester United and Chelsea that we have that or that you know part of the deal was we have to play them but it's not doing them any good either is it I no. mean what, what's it what's it doing for Billy Gilmore mm. I mean Roy Keane said didn't he when the signing was announced and Norwich supporters all got upset about it but uh, you know it was a bad move for him and it has been mm. I mean it's been it's been as disastrous for him as it is for us yeah I mean he we started off this podcast six months ago talking about his record at Scotland in Scotland and obviously Scotland haven't really played since because they should have been playing against the Ukraine in the playoffs, yeah. and so they haven't played. So his confidence must be literally rock bottom, while actually his stats coming to Carrow Road were really strong. But yeah. we, we just haven't uh, given him the opportunity to be able to play. We don't fit his style. He doesn't fit our style. Goodness knows what our style is, just losing every week. But anyway, <laughs> um, there is a huge disconnect between the club dad and the fans at the moment are probably a small majority of the fans who are standing outside Carrow Road protesting um, I'm not sure having banners saying Delia out is the right way of going it's pretty pointless unless there's someone going to come in and replace her what as we said last week we need to start making decisions as a club to move forward rather than than trying to get people out of the club who are effectively the only people who want to run it yeah, I, no, I, I, I agree, I think. But when you talk about disconnect, it's not only about those people, it's everybody else who, who perhaps in a way just protects themselves by staying away from it. Right. Because it hurts. What was the ticket price for West Ham on The casual Sunday? ticket for, was £47. Now, I mean, I don't know how many casual tickets they sell, but I mean, they reckon that there was three or four thousand. It looks as if there were about three or four thousand season ticket holders who didn't turn up. Right. And, and obviously, by the end of the game, there were very, very few left. Yeah. In the ground. I mean, and it's 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 that disconnect. It's it's the people who are not listening to the radio, who are not not you know, not buying newspapers or what have you, not reading articles because, and as I say, you can understand it in a way because it's all miserable. How um, intelligent is it for Stuart Webber to come out and fall out with the Archant newspaper group, the guys who do the pink and the EDP? Don't, don't you think it's... I, I, I'm worried about Stuart Webber in that um, 
as we talked we've talked before in the previous podcast about his focus um and and there was this about 90 percent of his is is and he said well it, it's not 90 percent of his um commitment or anything like that um and he's uh, and people defending him and saying he's a workaholic but we're not looking for <laughs> we don't necessarily need a workaholic john we want someone who works smart mm-hmm. now you know mount everest is important to him and um and you can't do you can't lose focus from that mm. and can you can you keep focus on 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 both i'm i'm just worried about that and also we haven't heard from him um does he do you think he he accepts and realizes what a disaster this uh, this this last um, summer's transfer window was and what it, what it's meant for the club because it has been can he accept that and move forward? I, I don't know. Do you remember last week I said about it? It, it this this seemed a little bit nineteen like nineteen ninety five unstable at the club and every, on lack of stability and that sort of thing. And thinking about it, it's quite similar as well to when we got relegated under Alex Neil. David um, McNally. McNally was coming to the end of his reign. We had that with Jez Moxie. That was going on behind the scenes. We had lots of players who weren't playing as well as we we thought they uh, that they they should be. And um, I mean that had to be all turned completely turned around. And I think that is my that is my worry really. I it looks to me at the moment as if Weber will stay and uh, they will they'll go ahead on the basis that. Uh, they um, uh, planned. Dean Smith will also will also stay, and he's talking about um, identifying the types of players they need for next season. Um, is Weber going to be good enough to produce that after last year's? That that's that's the doubt in my own mind. Mm, absolutely. In the eye paper at the weekend, there was a Watford fan quoted in it talking about the disconnect with his club. We talked about Watford before on this podcast that they've gone a totally different way from Norwich where they sack the yes. manager three times a year to try and stay up and they still get relegated. And and Watford, Norwich, Fulham and Bournemouth are one of these yo-yo clubs, said the paper. And, and the stats are actually quite stark. In the last 10 years, those four clubs, Watford, Norwich, Fulham and Bournemouth, have all played around 200 games in each of the Championship and the Premier League. And here, And, and if you look at their win stats... They've won 50% of their championship matches, which shows they're incredibly uh, successful in the championship. And they've won just 20% in the Premier League. And his quote, the Watford fan, was about a disconnect. But he was talking about a disconnect with the players. And his quote was, it's like 11 blokes chucked in and see what happens. Inevitably, we lose and we all go home miserable. (laughs) And, and, And I can't actually see the difference between that and what's happening with Norwich and particularly, no, no, and particularly the West Ham result. I, I, to, I totally agree. And there is that disconnect. And in the end, that, that disconnect, if it keeps chipping away, um, you will lose support and you'll lose... Um, people will not come, you know, come along to support and come into the game, will they? No, no, and as you said, they'll stop buying newspapers, and that ain't good for the for the Archant Group who who run those papers. So they have to try and make sure that Norwich is successful, and that's what they're trying to do. And when you start falling out with the club, it's really Quite. hard. 
Um, and, and I think it happened during the chase times as well. It, it's, it's never good when you start falling out with local media because they know where everything is. <laughs> they have, yes. they yeah. do know, they do know where the closets are. Um, so just be uh, my advice to any, any football club, anyone working at a football club is just be careful of that. It's not about kowtowing to the media, but just be aware about what, how you come over. And I think doing an interview, that interview that you did with the times, um, However good a journalist Henry Winter is, which I think he is, and I don't think he set out to, and I don't think he wrote the article thinking that he's um, screwed Stuart Weber over. But no. actually, in hindsight, it was the worst thing that you could he could have ever done um, in terms of uh, where the club is and what's happened since. Because since that point, we've, as I said, we've lost four games. We, 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 we've just gone totally off the boil again. Yeah. And we don't look like we're... And we've got three games left. Leicester tonight, Wolves on Sunday, uh, Tottenham the last weekend of the season. But frankly, who is really cares? Who's really counting? And and we're all just effectively waiting to see what happens over the summer and, and, and who we get in the first weekend of the championship and the championship could be interesting next season dad with some former faces that we may well know yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely we could be up against uh, daniel farker we could be up against alex neil if sunderland complete the uh, playoff task and uh, and also of course steve bruce at west brom so um that that will be interesting but just going back to what you say about stuart weber and that row with Art St John I think that's what I mean about is he in the right state of mind to pull this club around now yeah that's... when he when he's when he's making decisions as you say like rowing with Archon is he is he going to be in the right state of mind because it's it's it, it's almost um it's it's a really important summer yeah and and we need someone like you said after the Alex Neil uh, when he was and McNally left and when Chase left and and Dean went and etc cetera, etc cetera. you need someone to come into the club with a fresh pair of eyes and Stuart you Webb do. Stuart Webber did that 3 or 4 years ago he did absolutely but now it's time for somebody else and yeah. and and that's really i suppose the message i would say if i was a if i could talk to the Norwich fans who were outside Cow Road protesting is that's what you need to be saying is Delia and Michael are going to own the club until they they decide that they don't want to or they hand it over to someone else. There's no one else knocking on the door saying we want to run Norwich City. So and it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen quickly. No, anyway, as we yeah. said last week, it's not going to happen yeah. quickly. So yeah. you've got to try and, and and steer them to well start making the right decisions rather than we'll just get out of our club because yeah. it, it's it that's not what we want. Effectively, we want the club to get back together and start moving forward again. And, and perhaps perhaps one glimmer of hope there, John, this is the, the one to end on a positive note, yeah. maybe is, is Dean Smith. He he's, he's, he's new to it. I'm just hoping that he'll be strong enough and has some good enough ideas that, and, and they can work together and pull it around. That's that, that would be the new blood coming in, wouldn't it? Effectively. Yeah. And we've seen, he's done it at Walsall. He did it at Brentford. He even did it at Aston Villa. He can do it. If he's given yeah. the tools or allowed to do it, and I think that's, that's right, that, that's, that's right. And, and the game with him, I mean, he's had disappointments over the last year as well. So it's it, there's, there's there's that factor. But I think that's all we've really got to cling to at the moment, because because he is losing. Uh, um, I mean, the, the more it goes on, he's he's losing some of his credibility a bit, isn't he? Because yeah. the more we lose, and he's not, you know, he's not getting these players to perform for him. So it'd be if if that comes to an end, and if they can now. Um, sit down, identify these players, 
hopefully, I mean, this is the other thing about Weber, the rule book that he had when he came in, the German manager, the overseas players, it's out the window now. Brexit, the pandemic is thrown that all out the window. Yeah. To me, um, you look at you, even that West Ham team, Bowen and that, you, you know, you've got players who've come through from the lower leagues and that's what we should be looking at. You might have to pay a bit more for them. Yeah. But what we want is quality, not quantity. Yeah. You don't want 10 or 11 players who um, who might blossom into something. You, you, you have to pay a bit more, but we want some quality. Yeah, Ben Rama came through from Brentford. Uh, Cresswell yeah. came through from the lower leagues. There are You can go through that West Ham team. Did Antonio, did he come? Yeah, and he was a, he's was he been at West Ham for a long time. As, and obviously, Declan Rice came through from, from yeah. West Ham as well. So right. you've got to get that mixture right, as well as bring in yes. some some other big players that they have done as well so I think I think you're absolutely right um, we will see whether as you say is Dean Smith's stock falling we're on four straight defeats at the moment we've got three games left could we again finish a season with seven straight defeats like 10 from a couple of years ago that would be I think that's the next question mark we've got to get something out of these three games um, and we'll uh, see which ones those are. Leicester, Wolves and Tottenham to come. Uh, this is the new Old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush. So let's talk about good things. Uh, the Old Norwich, uh, the things that we like to talk about. And um, we will get into the heart of the Norwich City defensive um, um, mix in a moment by looking at our greatest central defenders and start that countdown. But we need to wrap up our greatest goalkeepers because we couldn't agree in the last episode, between Keelan, Gunn and Woods. Because you surprised me by going with Chris Woods and I surprised you by saying, well, I thought Kevin Keelan. Um, over the last week, have you have you changed your mind? Have I changed my mind? Um, I, I think the reason... <coughs> excuse me. The reason I um, went for Chris Woods was um, he was always so calm. Um, you know, you never worried about him and he was always being sought after while he was here. But, but it, it was... It was fairly close. Um, um, I think Brian Gunn is a shoe in for the for one of the the, the top two places. Yeah. Um, so it's really down to Chris Woods and 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 Kevin Keelan. Um, I I I personally think I would still go with Chris Woods for those very reasons that whilst he was with us, all great shot stopper as they all were, but also he was. He was calm. You never worried about him, and equally, um, he was he was well sought after um, and and in demand. So that 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 just um, sways it for me. I think you're right about Brian Gunn. I think he is unquestionably Norwich's greatest ever goalkeeper. Um, not to mention the two FA Cup runs, the top five finishes. Um, before the Premier League even existed. But I, I managed to dig out some stats about Brian Gunn in the Premier League. And he played just two and a half seasons in the Premier League. But he also still is in the top six of the most Premier League appearances for Norwich City. And that right, that really yeah. shows how far we've fallen since 1995, yeah, 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 as you were saying last week. Yeah, so he's made yeah. 104 Premier League appearances uh, that's sixth in the Norwich City history, as I say. Tim Krul has made 58, just so you can understand um, where we're at. He had 28 clean sheets, uh, Brian Gunn, 41 wins. Now, we're only, in total, Norwich City in the Premier League in the last 10 seasons, 99 wins. 
seasons. <laughs> so Norwich have been in the Premier League over the last 10 seasons, which has been about 20 years, but we've been 10 seasons in the Premier League. And in total, we've got, we're on 99 wins. So if, if we beat Leicester, Wolves or Tottenham, we will claim the 100 mark. But Brian Gunn was in goal for 41 of those wins. Yeah. And and he played two and a half seasons. Um, we lost 32 times uh, under Brian Gunn, but we've lost many more uh, since then. And it's and it's interesting. You always said that that season we got relegated and you can never blame him for it because he got injured. But he, he played only 21 times uh, that season for Norwich City in comparison with 42 for the previous two seasons. Yeah. And, and that is ultimately why... Um, why we got relegated. And I think that is why Brian Gunn is Norwich City's greatest goalkeeper. Not, as yeah. I say, it's not yeah. just about the Premier League, but I think those stats really stand up. Yeah, no, I, 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 on reflection, I agree, John. I think I think Brian Gunn is, is number one. And I have changed my mind about Kevin Keelan. I went for the fact that he'd been there a long time and he'd been there from 63 uh, right through. And I just thought... Actually, no, I think you're right about Chris Woods. That that calmness that he had as a goalkeeper, that Wembley uh, performance that he had, to, to be in a team that won a trophy is, is, a, is, a, is a rare thing for, for Norwich. Brian Gunn didn't do that, uh, as, we, as we know. He was, you know, 280-odd appearances for, for Norwich. Player of the year for Chris Woods. So, look, we're going Gunn and Woods with Kevin Keelan, a very close third. Absolutely, yeah. A, fi- a, fi- a fine choice to be in the top three, yeah. So if you agree with that or disagree, please get in touch. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, John Cushing or Peter Cushing. Uh, just dig us out on social media uh, and tell us why we're wrong uh, about that or whether you agree with us. So how are we going to do the central defenders? Because the goalkeepers, as you say, that we haven't actually had that many. But boy, have we had a lot of defenders. Uh, so how are you doing this? Well, basically, John, I've, um, I've I have had uh, had a look through um, central defenders back over the uh, back over the years, and before I start about getting into them, I thought it's worth just setting out a bit how things have changed, because mm-hmm. in the first part of the twentieth century, football was basically played in a two-three-five formation: yep. two fullbacks, a centre half plus two halfbacks, and five forwards. So you had your centre half, and you had two um, a left um, a left half and a right half, and their job was really to patrol the right half of midfield and the left half of midfield, while you had the one person in the middle, the number five. Right. Now the idea of two central defenders with four at the back really emerged in the late nineteen fifties, and of course England, with Jack Charlton and Bobby Moore, employed that in the nineteen sixty six World Cup. So it was very much. Um, two at the back is very much the second half of the last century. It's also worth a reminder, John, that back in those days, players in certain positions had the shirt number for that position. Yes. So if you were the if you were the centre half, you played in the number five shirt. If someone else next week got that position, they would have the number five shot. They were, shirt. There were no um, squad numbers. Um, and when one substitute was introduced, they wore the number twelve shirt when they came on. <laughs> So, and squad numbers, interestingly enough, I did have to look this up, were not introduced until 1993. Yeah. And the first time they were used was for the League Cup final for that year. Yes, I remember that was Arsenal. Arsenal. Yes, uh, Arsenal, Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So that, but that's as late as nineteen ninety three. That squad numbers. It, it, it sort of seems as if they've always been. Uh, <laughs> like that. 
So, looking back over City's history then, I initially have selected 12 central defenders for us to consider for our best ever squad. Now, most of these come from the post-1970s when we played with two central defenders. But before, before I go into the, the, that 12, there's one further centre-half that I need to mention. Okay. Now, he was not one of our best centre-halves when actually playing for us, but he did go on to become one of the best centre-halves who had ever played at City. He was a local boy called Morris Norman. Now, he only played 35 times for us, but when he was 21, the big spenders of the time, these were the um, equivalent of Manchester City and Chelsea today, Tottenham Hotspur, they came along and bought him. And he became part of their double winning team in 1961. Wow. And that was the first time a team had won the League and Cup double that century. So for over 60 years, no one had achieved that. And he became the centre-half in that team. He also went on to play 23 times for England in a period when England played a lot less games than they do now, and there weren't substitutes. He played in the 1962 World Cup, but a double fracture of the leg cut his career short just before the 1966 tournament. Not bad for a lad born in Mulbarton. Yeah, no. Oh, that's an amazing story. <laughs> Well done, so, Morris, what was his name? Morris Norman. Morris Norman. So I, I think he's in our Hall of Fame, but as I said, he only played 35 times for us, so he doesn't really come into our reckoning. He's not in my top uh, the, the 12 list, but yeah. he, he is an important player who's played for City. Yeah. Right. Now, so for this initial 12, basically these are the best central defenders that I've identified who've played for us in the top flight. Before you start, can I just yep. can we just agree that Gary Doherty isn't in the top twenty? <laughs> Gary Doherty's not in there. <laughs> Excellent. Phew. And, 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 and there's a lot not in there actually, John. But, I'm so, sure. so so going backwards from today, none of the current squad nor the nineteen twenty Premier League squad have made the top twelve. Agreed. Godfrey Zimmerman, Closer, Hanley and Gibson whilst they played the majority of the games to get us there and had but they had miserable seasons in the Premier League and I think on that basis I, I've disregarded them. Yeah, as, as it would be nice if the club could. <laughs> in fact, only two central defenders from this century make up my initial top 12. Okay. So looking back then for the Alex Neal years back to the Lamberts years, now I've put um, Russell Martin into a full-back category. He, he, he did as you know, play the latter part of his yeah. career as a central defender. I think in the um, playoff final he played as a central defender. But I, I think his best time for us was at a full-back, so I put him into that category. Agreed. There were others in this period who made contributions. Zach Whitbread, Leon Barnett, Elliot Ward, Michael Turner and Ryan Bennett. And But they all come into this category. I don't think they make the, um, the, the, the top 12. Yeah. But Seb Basong actually was with us for four seasons, three in the top flight, one promotion, and he was player of the season in 2012-13. It was a bit of a size surprise to me, but on that basis, I've put him in the initial top 12. Okay, yeah. All right? Because he's. I think he has the record of being the most relegated player in Premier League history. Yeah, no, it, it, yes, I mean, he was relegated um, three twice times. with us. yeah. Twice with that, once for Wolves, once for Newcastle. Yeah. And then when he was in France, he was relegated twice. So he was relegated <laughs> six times in 10 years. <laughs> We're not really selling Seb Basson. <laughs> no, no, quite. I'll come to that later. <laughs> 
any rate um so the second central defender i've included from this center is craig fleming now he had um, 343 appearances for us in a good career and was part of the team that took city back to the top flight after that long absence of nine years mm. and he was part of a really good defense in that 2004 promotion campaign without which we would i think without that defense we probably wouldn't have been promoted yeah so i've put craig in there craig fleming in the top 12 as well yeah now it's not surprising that the bulk of my initial 12 come from our most successful years the early 80s through to the mid 90s yeah 12 seasons out of 13 in the top flight in those years so i picked five players from that time dave watson Steve Bruce, Andy Linnigan, Ian Butterworth and John Polston. So they're the five from that. Yeah. And then also from the 1970s, when we had eight years out of nine in the top flight, I've picked four players. Duncan Forbes and Dave Stringer, who started all this success off. Yeah. Plus Mr. Dependable Tony, ba Tony Powell, six out of seven seasons in the top flight plus a promotion season and an ever present for three seasons and david jones a sound powerful and welsh international now my last selection for the 12 comes from an earlier period and someone who did not play in the top flight now he played in the days of a center half and a number five with two halfbacks his name was barry butler who you'll know from the player of the season award yeah now, Barry was the centre-half in the team that went to the semi-final replay in the FA Cup in 1959 and gained promotion a year later. He adapted effort effortlessly into the second tier when we got promoted, with the team finishing fourth. Not only was he strong and skillful, he was a leader on the pitch. Not all the time as captain, but he was a leader. He was a shining example of all the best of what, what is professional football and regarded by many as one of the finest centre-halves in City's history. He overcame a broken leg and was moving into coaching when he was killed in a car crash on the Norwich Ring Road. It was a tragedy and I can still remember the shock on hearing the news. I believe he could easily have become a future City manager. And it's because of that, if you like, that history that I, I included um, Barry Butler in the, in the Twelve. And that's assuming why he has the trophy, the players' trophy. Yes, um, I, I mean, I, I, it was it was it, it was introduced in memory to him. Yeah. Not only obviously because he was died, but, but but also because he was a true professional. Yeah, he was a real leader, John. Yeah, I, to be honest, I've never known why. It was well, no, quite who and he was like, and why it was named. So now that's why I thought it was it was it, it, you know just important just to um, to mention that. So, 12, Seb Besson, Craig Fleming, John Polston, Ian Butterworth, Andy Linnigan, Steve Bruce, Dave Watson, David Jones, Tony Powell, Duncan Forbes, Dave Stringer and Barry Butler. But as we're only really looking for three players, probably two, two in the team and, um, and, and, and one in the, another one in the squad, it's fairly easy to see that some of these 12, when compared with others, have achieved what others have achieved will not make the very highest level and on this basis and this was just i reduced the 12 to 8 by omitting seb Besson for the reasons that we've said yeah craig fleming 
because he only had that one year in the um, top flight, the Premier Premier League. It was a bit unfortunate, but um, um, uh, yeah, as I say, for that reason, David Jones as well, and 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 indeed Barry Butler. I don't think there would just be the evidence if to compare with the ones at the really top of that. So that's how I reduced it to eight by omitting those four. Okay. Um, so what I was going to say to you then, John, is looking at those, you know, are, do, are there any players that you can think of that I've completely missed out? And what about those four that I've left out? Do you think that's reasonable? And indeed, are there any others that you feel perhaps won't make the top two or three? I'm not sure. Uh, bizarrely, I'm not sure Andy Linnigan would. Right, yeah. Because although he was the man with the extendable neck... And scored some <laughs> great goals for us, and we obviously sold him for money to go to Arsenal. I and he was part of the team, the stringer team that got us to the sem, the the finishing in the league. I think he left. Before, I can't, I I don't remember him in the semi final, not the second one. He may well have been there, but I, he was definitely there for the first semi final. But I just yeah, I'm not. If, if you're going to ask me, I would think Ian Butterworth and John Polston from the European run um, would be ahead of him. And and Bruce and Watson are, are legends from a, from a Norwich point of view. And then I think also from what they went on and did at Everton and Manchester United, bizarrely. And I think that does sway me slightly. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not sure that I would have Linigan in there. Uh, will Dave Stringer pick himself? You know, he's our, he's our manager. Would he put himself? <laughs> are we, are we going to have a player manager? I'm not. I'm not ruling him out. I'm not ruling him out with 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 Paul Lambert. He can be in the joint, so I'm certainly, certainly not taking him out. I don't know Tony Powell. It's the first. No, time. no, quite. And that's I, the, the, so. These were the eight that I thought that we could look a, a, a bit more detail at, and yeah. then have a discussion next week about the eight and decide on the yeah, fine, the two or three to go forward. If if that's all right with you, I, I, my heart would like to keep Craig Fleming in because I think he was a, a, a great servant for the club at that period, uh, came from Oldham from memory um, and, and really made him, I think he made his career at Norwich, to be fair, um, yeah. as you say, with 340 appearances, but I understand why he's not uh, in the yeah. top eight. When you look at all the other... Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, he's, he's not going to get in the top two or three, is he? And that was the no. just just on that, John, actually, it did remind me, and I, 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 I know I've mentioned it before on these podcasts, but... Obviously, when looking at Craig Fleming, I also looked at Malky Mackay again. Yeah. And and those two. Now, I didn't include Malky because he never played for us then in the Premier League. Didn't but it was a it was a real injustice that he never did. Do you know, that year that we got promoted, he was in the, 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 the team of the season for the, the for that for that. That's the first division, as it was, then, yeah. not the championship. But he was in the team of the season. Yeah. He never he was never given the chance with us. He went to West Ham. They got promoted. Yeah. He went to Watford. They got promoted, and actually, Watford then did give him a few, um, a few games in the um, in the pre- in the Premier League. I think he played. I think he played about fourteen or fifteen games in the Premier League. But that was two years later. Yeah. The idea that we let him go <laughs> yeah. and replaced him with Gary Doherty. Our future could have been completely different if. I do wonder whether if you could sit down with Nigel Worthington and say, is that your biggest ever <laughs> yeah, regret? Yeah, The other thing I did hear recently, I heard, um, I heard Darren Huckabee on a podcast this week and he was talking about the current situation with the players and he said, 
I played in a team where with Craig Fleming and Malky Mackay, he said, if you went back into the dressing room and you had not given your best, you would have known about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it goes back to this leadership, doesn't it? And it, I think it goes back to the whole point of, of what we've been talking about recently is that we haven't had a centre-back partnership for so long. Where, no. where we have built a team around that centre-back partnership. And yes. actually, we talked about the good things that Weber did when he came in. Weber has never managed to get us a decent centre-back. No. Throughout no, his no, three no. years, we haven't had a decent centre-back for so long. And that's shown from the list uh, that you went through. So the eight I... names, um, we are confirming the eight names. Watson, Bruce, Linnigan, Butterworth, Polston, Forbes, Stringer, Powell. Yes? Yeah, yep. Okay, so you're gonna, we're going to go through those next week and decide. Or? Yeah, we'll we'll just we'll just look a, a, a little bit of the detail and then we'll decide who go into the squad. Perfect, excellent. Look forward to that. If you have a view on that, of course, as I say, get in touch with us on social media and let us know if we've left someone out. A couple of names that I always think about uh, before we finish, uh, which would never any, get anywhere near the list, which is always a good fun. Paul Blades. Yes. Um, you know, he, he he was one of these players. We, I think we bought him from Wolves. And I always thought he would come in and do reasonably well. I think he didn't <laughs> badly. He didn't play very well at all. He played for us forty-seven times, John. Yeah, he was too. He was. He was. He was in that that period with Polston and Butterworth in nineteen ninety ninety-one. Yeah, not ne- never quite, never quite made. No, it. didn't you? It, it never let us down, didn't you? you? Know you don't feel he let us down or anything, but it was just um, just the other two. I mean, I mean Butterworth, but both Butterworth and Polston played for us over two hundred times. And then uh, Michael Nelson. Yes, well, he was mainly he was mainly in that um, in the third tier that uh, that promotion. I think he did play a few games in the um, in the championship the following year, but not a, not a great deal. But no. he did. He, but again, it's what you're talking about. A player came in, he put his stamp on that team in that third tier. Yeah, and 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 he made all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right about. I mean, you think the best times in our history. You've gone back with them partnerships, Butterworth and Polston, and Bruce and um, and, Watson. And, and Watson, and and, and we built teams around them, and Fleming and Mackay, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Since then, we've never had that partnership, have we? No, no, we haven't. Um, so we will be discussing that in the next episode. Uh, good luck to Norwich tonight uh, against Leicester, uh, Wolves and Tottenham to come before the end of the season. And big question marks continue uh, for Dean Smith and Stuart Webber and the club as a whole. This is the new Old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.